Shalom and welcome to The Jewish Mind, where the growth of modernity meets the timeless wisdom and solutions of Judaism. The fourth of the Ten Commandments commands us to sanctify the Shabbat. We do so by performing the Kiddush service Friday night. However, we also do this by performing the Havdalah service on Saturday night. The Kiddush service sanctifies the Shabbat on its onset while the Havdalah service separates the Shabbat from the oncoming week. In the Havdalah services, we say, who separates between holiness and mundaneness between the seventh day and the six days of creation. We live in a generation for which performing Havdalah, separation, is a far more difficult than performing Kiddush, sanctification. I don't mean this just in the literal sense in which many traditional families who have a Friday night dinner with Kiddush do not have a Saturday night Havdalah. Rather, I mean it in its emotional paradigm as well. Our generation has defined only pluralism and all-inclusiveness as the only politically correct spirituality to embrace to define a holiness and a mundaneness, and to then draw a border to the tent of what is in the tent and what is out of the tent is as ungodly and therefore as un-Jewish as it gets. Nevertheless, is Shabbat Shabbat without a Havdalah to divide it from the rest of the week, allowing for yet another Kiddush for the upcoming Shabbat? And is a tent, a meaningful tent, with any value at all if there isn't an outside and an inside? In this lecture, based on a teaching of the Rebbe delivered in 1966 exploring the prohibition of hooking up an ox and a donkey together to a plow, we will find the truism that only through boundaries can we create a defined identity. Show me a man with no boundaries and I will show you a man without an identity. In this week's Torah portion, we are commanded, you shall not plow with an ox and a donkey together. This prohibition is part of the category of prohibitions of mixtures. There is the prohibition of growing wheat and grapes together, of mixing wool and linen in a garment, and of mixing oxen and donkeys to plow together. While there are teachings of insights as to why these specific mixtures are prohibited, nevertheless, at large, these prohibitions are of the category of chukim, statutes without any logical reason. Of Chukim we are taught, a decree I have decreed for you, and you have no permission to question it. Kabbalah and Hasidus gives us insights as to what the mystical dimensions of the ox and the donkey are, and the personal lesson we are to take from this mystical level of the prohibition. And now for the list of mystical concepts we need to explore in order to understand this lecture. A the mystical story of Dina and Shechem. B. The holy ox and the unholy donkey. C. The unholy ox, the unholy donkey, and the evil dog. D. The power of the circumcision. And lastly, E. The holy donkey. And let the amazement of Hasidus begin. Our sages tell us of an interesting conversation between King Hamor and Jacob, when King Hamor came to ask for Jacob's daughter Dina's hand in marriage for his son, Prince Shechem. The Torah tells the story that Shechem had raped Dina and then decided that he wants her for his wife. King Hamor came with his son Shechem to Jacob to ask for the marriage. 
Jacob didn't respond and waited for his sons to return from the working in the field. When the sons returned, they were infuriated that their sister was raped. Shimon and Levi created a plot in which they told King Hamor that for their family to be uncircumcised was considered an abomination. And therefore, if King Hamor agreed to have all his male subjects circumcised, then they would agree for marriages between his nation and their family to take place. King Hamor acted upon the agreement immediately and had all his male subjects circumcised at one time. On the third day after the circumcisions, when all the males were in pain and immobilized, Shimon and Levi entered the city and avenged their sister's honor by killing out the entire city. Shimon brought Dina back home. Jacob, upon hearing what his sons did, was unhappy at their act of deceit and feared repercussions from all the surrounding nations. Therefore, Jacob took his family and moved away, returning to his father's home. This is the story as it is told in Genesis. However, we are now going to see the connection to our Torah portion, which take pl takes place five generations later as Moses is preparing the Jewish people for entering Israel with the laws of agriculture and the prohibitions of how to plow their fields in which using an ox and a donkey together to, plow, to pull a plow is prohibited. Our sages tell us of what King Hamar said to Jacob in trying to win Jacob's daughter's hand in marriage for his son Shechem. Here's how the conversation went. King Hamor, I know that your grandfather Abraham was a prince. Prince is a language used for a leader including a king. And I too am a prince. Jacob, not a prince is he, Abraham, called, but an ox, as the verse states, and to the kettle Abraham ran, and it states, but an abundance of produce comes by the strength of an ox, and you are a donkey. The word chamor in Hebrew means donkey, and it is impossible, forbidden to us, to plow with an ox and a donkey together. An interesting conversation with much to be discussed. However, for our purpose, what is important is that we find in this story the first opinion of how to view the ox and the donkey of our verse and why our verse prohibits using them together in plowing a field. The ox is in the realm of holiness, as it is referred to Abraham, and the donkey is unholy, as it refers to King Hamor. This is simply seen also in the fact that oxen are a kosher species, while the donkey is a non-kosher species in the dietary laws of the Torah. So let us now move on to the second mystical concept of this lecture, the holy ox and the unholy donkey. Before we explore the holy ox and the unholy donkey, I want to give a very brief introduction to the realm of holiness and the realm of unholiness. And Abraham is precisely a good place to start with. Abraham in the mystical teachings is called the chariot. The secret behind this name is based on the understanding that the chari chariot travels long and far, but never to its own desired destiny. The chariot has no will of its own. The chariot is but a clear and transparent vehicle to where its rider wants to go. This is why the descriptive title for a righteous man is that he is a chariot for the supernal will of God. The same concept is found in the final eulogy for Moses made up of four Hebrew words. And there died Moses, servant of God. 
After the Torah tells us of all Moses' travels and our and eternal accomplishments, the usually speaks only of Moses being a servant of God? The only definition of holiness in the Torah is an absolute humility, selflessness, and transparency to the will of God. The only acceptable definition in Judaism for calling a human holy is that the person overcomes his own will, his own paradigms, and his own feelings and completely embraces God's will, God's paradigm, and God's emotions. Thus the, correct, sorry, thus the correct descriptive title of a holy man is a chariot for the supernal will and servant of God. The same applies to objects, situations, and even celestial beings and spiritual realms. But how can a spiritual realm or a spiritual being be unholy? Let's make this question even bigger. How can one species of animals be kosher by birth and another species of animals be non-kosher simply by birth and genetics. To understand this, we need to first understand the dual process that God chose for creation, namely face-to-face -face and back-to-back. -back. The difference in the two is whether one is giving themselves face-to-face -face, or whether one is giving of themselves back-to-back. -back. Let's totally humanize this how many parents come to me completely bewildered and hurt by their child's behavior? The words I hear are, what didn't I give that child? Everything. I gave him everything. My equally painful response is, you gave your child everything but the one thing he wanted, you. We both, the parent and I, said the truth. The parent may have worked two jobs, 70 hours a week, to be able to afford everything their child wanted. Yes, the parent gave the child everything of himself, but not himself. Once a child asked her father, <coughs> excuse me, how much do you get paid an hour? The parent, somewhat annoyed, told the child that this was none of her business and questioned why she was asking. The child's response was, because I want to have an hour of your time. Spiritually speaking, that which was created from, face, from the face-to-face -face process of creation is not opaque to its creator. It has within it the transparency to God's will and lives solely within the realm of holiness. That which was created from the back-to-back -back process of creation carries some level of opaqueness and lacks transparency to its creator. The freedom of choice that God gave to mankind is that we be able to choose within each and every thought, speech, and action that we do, whether we are connecting to a face-to-face -face relationship with God or whether we are connecting to God with a back-to-back -back relationship. We, the people, are made of both a body and its animalistic soul, back-to-back, -back, and a godly soul, face-to-face. And at every moment, we freely choose which one we will embrace. Now to the kosher and non-kosher species of animals. Within the back-to-back -back process of creation, there are different levels of opaqueness which divide primarily into two categories. One is husks of impurity with 100% opaqueness. And the other is called husks of light which means that there isn't 100% opaqueness and therefore there is some percentage 
of transparency. Kosher species are from the latter group of back-to-back, while the non-kosher species are from the first category of back-to-back creations. The practical difference is whether it is within human power to refine, elevate, and transform through selflessness and acts of kindness the godly spark of life within the food or not. The kosher species are the evolution of the spiritual realms of husks of light, while the non-kosher species are the evolution of the spiritual realms of total husks of impurity. One last detail and we can then enter into the mystical dimensions of the ox and the donkey. The subcategory of husks of light carry within them both husk coverings and light. Thus they can swing either way, ascending to light or descending into darkness. For example, when a person eats a kosher meal, is he descending into the selfishness of non-sharing, non-caring, total absorption of pleasure upon his taste buds? Or is he first blessing God, sharing, caring, and finishing with grace after meals? Thus a kosher ox in itself is neither holy or unholy, rather it is just the potential of either, waiting for man through his intentions and actions to actualize the proper potential. So at last, we now explore the holy ox and the unholy donkey. In the Medrash that we quoted, Jacob quoted the verse, but an abundance of produce comes by the strength of an ox. This means that there is a field, seeds, plowing, and produce. The field is the animalistic soul. The seed is the godly soul. The plowing is the transformation of humility that the godly soul works into the animalistic soul. And the produce is the good deeds which transform this world into God's home. The plowing is performed by the ox, which is the left side of the chariot, which is strength and strictness. This means that we are sensitive to our egocentric paradigm and we plow at it with rigorous honesty towards ourselves, facing our character defaults, calling them out by name, and surrendering them to God. This is the holy ox, in other words, the power of the ox, which is the face on the left side of the chariot in Ezekiel's prophecy of the chariot. The donkey is described in the Talmud as a donkey even in the Tammuz season, which means the summer season, is cold. Coldness in spirituality is defined as apathy, and apathy is the antithesis of holiness. Now we can understand the prohibition of hooking up an ox and a donkey to the same plow. When strength and strictness are paired with apathy, what we have is the poison of cynicism. What we need to do is use the ox to plow and bring humility to the field and eventually even to the donkey as we will soon see. However, what we need to absolutely not do is to peer up the ox with the donkey. To humanize this, one cannot underestimate the damage that parents, teachers, and principals have caused filling therapy rooms with children who were the victims of the peering of oxen and donkeys, crushing the children with continuous cynical poisonous remarks. The second opinion speaks of both the ox and the donkey being unholy. Let us return to the story of King Hamor and Jacob. Why did King Hamor want to have his offspring marry the offspring of Abraham? 
In Kabbalah and Hasidus, the ox represents strictness of kindness. In other words, strictness of discipline for this kind sake of educating a child, for example. The donkey is the opposite of the ox. The donkey opposes any form of strictness of kindness and represents the wastes of kindness, meaning unrefined kindness fallen into egotistical selfishness. This is why King Hamor wanted his offspring to unite with the offspring of Abraham, for Abraham was the embodiment of kindness, from which King Hamor can nurture from its waste. Jacob's answer was that the kindness of holiness must be plowed with humility, that no egocentric waste exists and fall into the other side of husks and impurity. Thus, within the realm of impurity, the ox is the egocentric strictness of husks, of husks and the donkey is the egocentric kindness of husks. Now we can understand the prohibition of peering up an ox with a donkey. According to Kabbalah and Hasidus, when you peer an ox with a donkey, you produce a dog, which represents a malik, the epitome of darkness and evil, who were the first to attack the Jewish people in the desert after they left Egypt. When you take the middle two letters of the Hebrew word for donkey, chamor, and the middle letters of the Hebrew word ox, shor, you have the total numerical value of 52, which is the numerical value of the Hebrew word kelev, dog. Now, the next thing, the first letters of the Hebrew letters, I'm sorry, the first letters of the Hebrew words of, the, of donkey, ox and dog spell out choshech, darkness. So you have chamor is the ches, you have the shor is the shin, and you have the dog is the kaf, which spells out choshech, darkness. This, that it, thus it is imperative that one does not allow for egocentric kindness to peer up with egocentric strictness. Now let us see why the answer of the children of Jacob to King Hamor manifested itself through circumcision. Abraham, as we mentioned, is the emanation of kindness, who served God through acts of kindness and caring to all of God's creations. How did kindness go wrong? The mystical answer is that Abraham had a son, Yishmael, before Abraham was circumcised. Mystically speaking, the foreskin is the source of waste. Therefore, the offspring of kindness pre-circumcised is the source of the donkey, unholy waste of kindness. The answer is therefore circumcision, through which the unholy donkey is now separated from the holy kindness and can no more receive its nourishment. This is why the sons of Jacob pick specifically circumcision to separate the offspring of King Hamor from the offspring of Abraham. The power of circumcision is not just its physical act of removing the physical foreskin and its power of weakening one's sexual needs. Rather, the verse states, And the Lord your God will circumcise your heart and the heart of your offspring so that you may love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul. This is the ultimate plowing of the egocentric paradigm of the animalistic soul, to the point where even the donkey of apathy is transformed and the coarser and finer husks upon the heart are removed. The power of the transformed donkey is mentioned in the blessings of Jacob to his children. 
Yisachar is a bony donkey. Yisachar is one of Jacob's children, and he blessed him that he is a bony donkey, which our sages explain to mean he bears the yoke of the Torah like a strong donkey which is laden with a heavy burden. Apathy, used right, spells out obedience, overcoming one's own likes and dislikes, to carrying the Torah in study and in observance. Thus Jacob said of himself to Esau, and I quote, And I have acquired oxen and donkeys, letting his twin know that he had accomplished the emanation of truth, in which even the donkey is not of the egocentric waste of kindness, for the ox of selfless strictness of kindness had plowed the field with humility, transforming the field into transparency. In closing, the definition of kindness cannot be formed without embracing the necessary plowing of strictness of kindness. This is not a lack of caring or apathy. Rather, it is a clear defining of self, which separates humility from ego and selfish from selfless. One who can never say no is not a selfless person, but a selfish, selfish person. Such a person allows people to be hurt and evil to prosper simply because of how uncomfortable it is for him to ever say no. One who loves goodness and evil, kindness and meanness, is a man who loves nothing at all. A tent in which everyone is allowed equally into every room of his heart and home has no meaningful heart or home at all. One must be man or woman enough to define parameters of who they are, who they love intimately, and what they do and don't support. Friends, upper modernity offers growth, and growth comes with challenges. Judaism offers timeless solutions. Here, at the platform of the Jewish mind, is where modernity meets Judaism.